You are good when there's nothing good in me. You are love, you are love on display for all to see. You are light, you are light when the darkness closes in. You are hope, you are hope. You have covered all my sin. You are peace, you are peace when my fear is crippling. You are true. You are true, even in my wandering. You are joy, you are joy. You're the reason that I sing. You are life, you are life. In you, death has lost its sting. And now I'm running to your arms. I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the world forever You are more, you are more than my words will ever say. You are Lord, you are Lord, all creation will proclaim. You are here, you are here, in your presence I may hold. You are God. You are God, of all else I'm letting go. And now I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace, light of the To your arms, the riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world forever. Rain. My heart will sing no other name, Jesus. Jesus, my heart will sing no other name. Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing no other name. Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing no other name. Jesus, Jesus, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms, the riches of your love will always be enough, nothing compares to your embrace, light of the
Jesus Christ who lives in me. You are stronger, you are stronger, sin is broken, you have saved me. It is written, Christ is risen, Jesus you are Lord of all. No beginning and no end, you're my To see and save the lost, you paid it all upon the cross. You are stronger, you are stronger. Sin is broken, you have saved me. It is written, Christ is risen. Jesus, you are Lord of all. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. For thee now at thy feet we humbly bow. Oh, do not our suit disdain. Shall we seek thee, Lord, in vain? Shall we seek thee, Lord, in vain? Lord, on thee our souls depend. In Preston Crest. I want to welcome both members and visitors to our 1045 service 
here at Preston Christ Church of Christ. I'm Charlie Johnston, one of the elders, and we're happy to have you join us, both here physically and virtually through our streaming. We enjoyed Coco and Carol's last Sunday night, and this past week has been precious time spent with our families and celebrating the blessings God has given us through the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. Please take the time now, if you haven't done so already, to text CHECK-IN to church teams at the number on the screen, 469-476-5331. This is critical for our response team knowing who is attending in case of a safety or security event. Besides getting the bulletin when you text CHECK-IN, you can also text ME to that number anytime and use the blue links to search the directory, enter our new website, and be automatically logged in as a member. Ask for prayers and get the latest prayer list. Any prayer or contact requests can also be made by filling out one of the cards in the back of the pews and dropping it in the contribution box in the foyer. Special note, please remember to download your biblical storyline reading plan for this next year. A great tool for us to read through the whole Bible together in a new way. We will be reading the Old Testament together in its ancient literary order, just as Jesus would have read it. Instructions are in your bulletin and on our website and include a video on how to find and loathe it. I think you'll find that to be a real blessing for you in the coming year. For our call to worship this morning, please read with me Luke 2 and verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for all our blessings this past year our families, our friends, our homes, our health, our jobs, and our opportunities. Father, we pray especially that you would wrap your loving arms around some members of our family that we want to bring before you this morning. We especially ask that you would be with Becky Campbell in the loss of her husband, David, with Tina Overhue in the loss of her sister, Donna Duncan, with Jerry and Angela Smith and the loss of her brother, Kobe Kathy, with Beth Williams and Joe Pummel and the loss, respectively, of their brother and brother-in-law, Dr. Charles Pummel. Father, please comfort these families and help us to be your hands and feet as we support them during this difficult time. Almighty God, we we praise your great and holy name. And our words cannot express our gratitude for the boundless gift you gave us through the birth and sacrifice of your son. Father, please help us develop an even closer relationship with you through prayer and the thoughtful reading and memorizing of your word. We also ask that you be with Bob Chisholm this morning as he challenges us with how big 
is your vision. In Christ's blessed name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Charlie. Church, let's stand and let's sing this morning. Oh, worship the King, oh, glorious above, and gratefully sing His wonderful love. Our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilion in splendor, and buried in praise.
you're here this morning. We're going to enter into our time of communion. We're going to sing uh, one more song, and then Dino Russos is going to come and, and lead us this morning around the bread and around the cup. Dino has been with us, has been working with us in Greece for, it's 40 years or over 40 years now, and uh, such a great work in Athens and in Glyphata and Greece and and so many languages that they they have several different services on Sundays and uh, in different languages and such a great work that he and Debbie are teamed up proclaiming the name of Jesus overseas and so we are fortunate to have Dino here with us this morning to share with us around the bread and around the cup let's let's sing as we enter into this time of communion we place you Good morning. Good morning. 
and Merry Christmas to each one of you. I'm sure you had a wonderful time. Let me tell you, American Christmas is the best. <laughs> I've been in Christmas time in different countries, but nothing like America, you know. It's, uh, it's wonderful, the kind of food you have and the fellowship. The Christmas lights in all the neighborhoods. I'm amazed. We went downtown Dallas the other day, and we went around and look. You take care of it. That's why we came to celebrate Christmas with uh, our family and Preston Crest. And we got the best gift. We got a new grandbaby, <laughs> only a week old. And it's really great gift to have at Christmas time such a beautiful little baby to celebrate with. I bring you greetings from Athens, Greece. It's pretty far, you know, you have to take a plane and fly for about 14 hours to go there, you know, but it's worthy. You come to Greece, you will enjoy very much. You know, lots of ancient Greek temples, beautiful amphitheaters. Uh, but we have good food also, you know. We don't have fried chicken, but we have uh, nice Greek uh, lamb, roast lamb with potatoes and many other good things. We even have baklava, huh? the good dessert. But uh, we have beautiful islands. We have 2,000 islands. 150 of them have uh, inhabitants with great civilizations, you know, and ruins. Beautiful uh, weather, fantastic. So welcome to Greece. Okay, if you haven't been there, we want to invite you. We're going to have a great time. I want to thank Preston Crest for supporting us all those years. You have been great. And our cooperation, perfect cooperation with the elders, with the staff, with the deacons, with each one of you, it's incredible. You know, unity, love brings good results. I mean, and that's what has happened. And now we, today, you know, Sunday, in our congregation, we started a church about 10 years ago, a new church. We have done this again and again. We started several churches in Athens, Greece, the last 40 years, and also in many other countries, in Ukraine, in Bulgaria, in Albania, I had the privilege to go in those places and help start the work. And we even sent missionaries from Athens, Greece, to other countries. We converted them. So a lot of good things has happened. But today, if you come to take the Lord's Supper with us, you will see a Greek next to somebody from Persia, Iran. And you know, the Persians, they came to Greece and they fought the Greeks. You remember that? You know the marathon? Do you run the marathon? 26 miles, right? You know where the marathon is? 26 miles from Athens. <laughs> and that's where the Persians came, from Iran, all the way, Darius, to fight the Greeks. And the Greeks, with the leadership of Miltiades, the Greek general, fought, they won the Battle of Marathon. And the first marathon runner ran from Marathon to Athens, he said one word, the word Nikki, victory. They were enemies, right? But now the Iranians come to Greece and they want to hear the gospel of Christ. And they come to the church of Christ. And the last 10 years we baptized a lot of them into Christ. And now we take the Lord's Supper together. You know, Greeks, Americans, Turks, Iranians, 
Ukrainians, Albanians. We are one family, the family of the living God. I mean, for God so loved that he gave his only begotten son for everyone. That whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Would you like to hear that in Koine Greek, in the original Bob? Is that okay? I know you're going to preach in a few minutes. I'm going to take a few seconds from your sermon. <laughs> but this is the words of Jesus. You know, it was written in Greek. Even Jesus spoke Greek. He said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the Greek alphabet. But that's how he said it's written, John 3.16. Διότιτόσον πολλήν αγάπησεν ο Θεός τον κόσμον, ώστε έδωσε τον Υιόν του τον μονογενή, για να μην χαθεί πας ο πιστεύων εις Αυτόν, αλλά να έχει ζωήν αιώνιον. You know, it's beautiful that God sent his son on this earth for good purpose. And we will celebrate the Lord's Supper in a few minutes. We will all take from the bread the symbol of the body of Christ. And the fruit of the vine represents the precious blood. So there are some points that we need to know about it. First of all, we need to prepare ourselves. If you are not a newborn Christian yet, you have not decided to repent, to be baptized, how don't you do it today? This will be the greatest gift that you can give to the Lord. Because great celebration happens in heaven and on earth for somebody who gives his life to Jesus. I mean, you will give a gift to your family. They are praying for you to give your life to Jesus. You'll give a gift to yourself because you'll receive forgiveness of sins and a hope of eternal life. Preparation. Second, appreciation. When we take the Lord's Supper, we say to God, thank you for sending your son. That's why some churches, they call this the Eucharist. The Eucharist comes from the Greek word, ευχαριστώ. Everybody, ευχαριστώ. One more time, ευχαριστώ. That means thank you. So Eucharist means the thank you service. When we take the Lord's Supper, it's an expression of our appreciation and proclamation that yes, Jesus died, buried, and was raised from our, for, uh, to save us. And then, what do we receive? Redemption. The blood means he paid the price, the ransom, on our behalf. And now we are free. We came out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the light. And also we receive participation. Everybody is welcome. We are the family of God. One bread, one cup, one faith, one baptism. One hope. We all are members of the body of Christ. And finally, anticipation. Jesus said, I will take it again with you. When? 
in heaven. I mean, we're going to be with the Lord, with the saints, those who already departed before us, they're waiting for us. Anticipation for eternal life. Let's pray together. Father, forgive us this morning for things we have done wrong. Clean our hearts with the precious blood of Jesus. And let us come to the supper knowing that you are with us to forgive us, to bless us, to strengthen us, and to give us the hope of eternity. Thank you for the bread that represents the body of Christ. Amen. After the bread, Jesus took the cup. He gave it to the disciples and he said, this is my blood given for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this to remember me. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the precious blood of Jesus, for we know that he entered into the Holy of Holies in heaven as the high priest to offer on our behalf his life. Thank you that he opened the gates of heaven and now we can become your children. 
Thank you so much for everything, Father. And as we take this morning, this cup, help, help us never to forget it was not silver or gold, but the precious blood that gave us, by grace, salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, several ways you can give this morning. Obviously, you can, uh, you can, if you've brought an offering with you this morning, you can drop it in the box in the middle of the foyer. And those, uh, many of you that are giving online, thank you for that. If you are still wanting to give for the disaster relief, that is an online option that you will select. Um, and if you are uh, prepared for that, that is great. We are we're still accepting uh, money and still helping families in, in Tennessee and in that area that uh, suffered uh, great losses from these recent tornadoes. If you're wanting to sprint to the finish with us at the end of the year, if you missed an offering time, missed a week or two, or if the Lord has just blessed you in such a way and you are feeling led to give an, an additional amount, uh, the uh, the time to do that is before, I believe, the close of business day this coming Friday by the end of the year. In any way that you are choosing to give, thank you. You are such a generous church, and we have uh, been able to serve so many families in our communities very recently as well as all year long, not only in this place but in other, other countries as well. Let's bow. Father God, thank you for providing for us and blessing us. And I pray that what is given today will bless others and what is given today will go to proclaim your name not only in this place but outside of these walls and outside of this country even, Father. Thank you. Thank you for laying before us opportunities for us to serve, for us to to give and to work, to encourage, to proclaim your name. It is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. And it is in your name, Jesus, that we worship this morning. Amen. Let's uh, stand. We're going to not send kids to Children's Church. Children's Church has taken a little bit of a break this week. It'll be back in full force next week. Let's stand, and then Bob is going to come and uh, preach to us a little bit this morning after these, uh, these songs. Let's sing. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the
Christmas to everybody. I hope that yesterday was a great day for all of you. I know some have got family in and some are gone to be with family and it's just a great time to be together with family. And obviously I'm not Gordon right now. Toward the end of the week he began to not feel too well and so he is taking a much needed time off to get well and to recover. And I want to begin this morning by asking you if you would to use your imagination I want you to imagine that you have just arrived in heaven and God has greeted you and he's showing you around, if you can imagine that. And among the places that God is showing you, <clears throat> he takes you into his great library. I mean, can you imagine the library of God? Can you imagine the vocabulary of God? And God is taking you around as it's massive, it's, it's huge. And as you're walking through the library, you notice on one of the lower shelves this multi-volume work. And it's entitled, God's Great Work in Dallas, Texas. And it kind of grabs your attention. So you pull one of the volumes off, these thick volumes, and you start to open it up and look through it. And you start to be amazed at the incredible things that God has been doing and God is doing and God did in the city of Dallas. But at the same time you're amazed, you are also a little puzzled because much of it sounds new to you. In fact, some of it you've never seen before. And so you tell God, I don't remember so much of what I'm reading here. And then God explains. He says, well, the books you're looking through are not really the record of what actually happened in Dallas. What actually happened is contained in this little pamphlet. And he hands it to you. And he explains that the plans and the ministries and the achievements described in this large multi-volume set are the dreams that God had for the church in Dallas. Dreams that no one ever asked him to accomplish. We are less than one week away from a new year. 
And so I want you to hear these words of Scripture. From James chapter 4, verse 2. You do not have because you do not ask God. Deuteronomy 4, verse 7. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? Psalm 66, verse 19. God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Psalm 4, verse 3. The Lord will hear when I call him. Psalm 5, verse 3. In the morning I lay my request before you, and I wait in expectation. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Some years ago I ran across a very interesting book by Christopher Cerf and Victor Navasky. It's entitled, The Experts Speak. And the subtitle is, The Definitive Compendium of Authoritative Misinformation. It's 391 pages illustrating just how wrong the experts have been. For example, here's a quote. I think there is probably a world market for about five computers. Thomas J. Watson, chairman of the board, IBM, 1943. A little bit closer to our time, here's another quote. There is no reason for any individual to have a computer in their home. Ken Olson, president Digital Equipment, 1977. And this is what we might call short-sighted vision. And see, that's the question I want us to think about this morning. How big is your vision? And please, please, take this personally. Yes, how big is the vision for our world? But I want you to start... Well, how big is your vision for you? Especially if you have been placed in some position of influence. How big is your vision for your family? How big is your vision for the people that you're connected to? How big is your vision for the children that you oversee and you teach? How big is your vision for the ministries in this church that you oversee? How big is your vision for this church, for this city? This morning, what I want to do is look at a very small story. It's tucked away in 2 Kings chapter 4 because it's a story about vision. Now, some might take this little tiny story, just seven verses, and compare it to all the stories around it and make a very serious mistake by saying this story is really a minor story. And that's because all the stories around it are large stories of national movements, stories about kings and stories about wars and stories about national decisions. But this story is about one small family, two sons, and their widowed mother. It's told in 2 Kings 4, just seven verses. 
I want you to listen as I read this very short story about a small family that was given a great vision. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil in all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him, and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. This is such an exciting story to me, precisely because it takes place on such a small scale. The family is small. The needs are clear. And God's directions are specific. And I want you to know how his answer is tied to their vision. The story is filled with confidence. It's filled with obedience. And it's filled with trust in God's faithfulness. Did you hear the story about the little girl who went with her mother to the store, the country store? And when her mother had made her purchase, she went up to the counter to check out. And the clerk then saw the little girl and invited her to take a handful of candy. But the girl was kind of quiet and she was a little resident to, uh, and hesitant to answer. And so the clerk said, well, what's the matter? Don't you like candy? Do you like candy? And she nodded, yes. And so he reached in and gave her a real healthy handful of candy and dropped it in her bag. When they got back outside, her mother said, what was that all about? Why didn't you respond when he first asked you and first offered the candy? Can you guess her answer? His hand is bigger than mine. <laughs> and that catches a little bit of what this story is about in 2 Kings. God's hands are big. And God is generous. And that is why we wait for his lead. And that is why we follow his direction. But I have to say there is one very important difference. The story in 2 Kings is not about, it's not this sweet, warm story about candy. No, it's very real. It's a very brutal story about survival. And the mother in the story is not wanting to get some of God's candy. No, she wants God's life. And she goes to God's prophet and she asks for life. Now, the prophet's words are a bit puzzling. I mean, he asked her, how can I help you? 
And I don't think he means, well, how can I help you? What can I do? As though he doesn't have anything to do. He's powerless to help or unwilling to help. No, I want you to notice how he connect, connects what God can do with the resources that she already has. He asks, what do you have in the house? And she says, I have some oil. And what he's asking is, what are your resources? What do you have to work with? And I think this is beautiful, how God helps this woman in a way that allows her and everyone else to participate. She calls her children. They gather the empty containers. In fact, it seems like the village is cleared of every container, pots, jugs, jars of every type. In fact, times must have been hard because it seems like there were empty jars everywhere. She fills the house with empty jars. Every room was full of empty jars, wall-to-wall jars. And then she fills them. And then she sells the oil to pay her debts. Now, you may have noticed now the prophet did not give her all the information all at once. At first, he just says, okay, go find the jars, as many as you can. And then he says, go inside and close the door and fill them with the little tiny bit of oil that you have. And look at the story again. Look at the end of the story. It's only after she has done this, after she has stepped out in obedience to God's commands, that he makes it clear how this will provide for her needs. Go sell. She obeys God. That's the principle here. She obeys God even though she does not know the outcome. She obeys God even though it, nothing is clear to her yet. She obeys God without being told why. Now, she could have said no. She could have said, well, I kind of need some more information here. That's the way our culture would respond. Full disclosure, right? That's what we want. I'm not going to sign this till you explain it all to me. I mean, think about it. This lady has to go around the villages saying, can I borrow your empty containers? Well, why do you need them? Well, I'm not really sure yet. And then she tells the whole story to all the neighbors. Would that be embarrassing? Admitting your poverty? Begging for help? I can't pay my debt to you, but I want you to give me your empty jars. What she does is so slow and so tedious. But think about what it does for her. She is admitting her need. Now tell me, what is the very first step of any treatment program in this country? Admitting your need. What is the very first beatitude that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the poor in spirit, admitting the poverty of spirit. That is the beginning to all the other Beatitudes. Go read them. After that one, they just fall in a step-by-step -step process. She is admitting her need. And it's the first step to seeing beyond yourself. Now, probably some people turned her down. No, you're not getting my jar. 
And then what happened if she broke a jar? Would she be able to replace it? And no doubt some of the jars were heavy. And then were they clean? Did she have to clean them before she put oil in them? And then after she used them, did she have to clean the oil out of them before she returned them and then return them? To who? Did she have to mark all the jars to know who they went back to? But she didn't offer any of these as excuses. And watching her story, we learn about vision. The number of empty vessels she collected shows her faith. Because you see, God did not tell her through the prophet, I want you to get 15 jars, 20 jars, 25 jars, 50 jars. No. He wanted her to act in faith. And so he just gave one little warning. Don't get a few. In other words, bring as many as you have faith that I can fill. God was telling her and us, don't skimp on my ability and my willingness to meet your needs. I thought of Ephesians 3, verse 20. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You see, the limitation is not in the supply of oil, but it's in the lack of empty vessels to be filled. Because God won't run out. And this is why we need to see and respond to whatever vision he puts in front of us. This is why we bring to God as many empty vessels as we can find. Because he's going to fill them and he won't run out. But he also wants us to bring to him whatever we have, however small, our talent, our ability, our resources, our oil. What is it? I read about a man who lived in Canada, and one winter it snowed so long that he got snowed in for a long time, and so he took some scrap wood and a saw and some paint, and he cut it up into little squares, and he painted little letters on them, and he invented a new game and called it Scrabble. That's what he did with the little time and the little resources he had. I followed the story and, and got lost in all the possibilities, but somebody somewhere picked up a piece of wire and bent it and created a paperclip. That's what they did with his little talent of bending wire. Fanny Crosby was blind, but she became a great hymn writer. Helen Keller couldn't hear, speak, or see, but taught people and encouraged people in her life. My college roommate's father-in-law lived in Florida. He had a modest little house, but he had the corner on the market and shredded coconut. Now, that may not sound exciting, but he was a wealthy man. And what he did with it was not build up his plant, but he personally and quietly supported missionaries all over the world. That's what he did with his little oil. And I don't know what your oil is. But the lesson from this powerful story says, take what you have and go to God with an empty vessel, you 
and ask him to fill it, to take what you have and use it. And as we pray and as we plan for 2022, it will be our vision that will shape our plans and it will be our vision that will guide our choices. And Jesus will be our point of reference. And so I'd like to close with four reasons why we need his vision. Think about these with me. First, we need his vision to guide us. If you were to ask the average member, where is your church going? And they were to say, going? We've been at this location for decades. I don't think we're going to be going anywhere. Well, it's pretty obvious they don't know what you're saying. Or they may think, well, we've arrived. There's nothing else to do or learn. Or they may think, we don't know how to go. Or they may think, we don't have any sense of God leading us. Proverbs 29 says, without vision, we perish. That's an old translation from King James. Other translations today say, without vision, we're barren. You know what barren means? Nothing comes from me. It stops here. It stops with me. In Proverbs, the same word is used in the sense of letting something slip through my fingers because I ignored an opportunity. But wh whatever we take it to mean, without vision, it stops. It stops. In other words, without God's vision to direct us, we fail in the worst possible way. We miss God's plan for us. We're reduced to lost opportunities, undisciplined lives, going nowhere. We need God's vision to give us purpose stability, and guidance to go somewhere. And I'm so grateful that this church, Preston Crest, is following the most amazing vision of all. We didn't create it. We just discovered it. Jesus articulated it when he said, love God with every fiber of your being, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love people like you love yourself. The two greatest commands. He said, these are the greatest of all. Passion for God, compassion for people, walking with God, caring for people. Love God and love your neighbor. We need his vision to guide us there, and that's the guidance. But secondly, we need his vision to empower us. After hearing God's vision, we need to be willing to take the next step and follow it. If someone you know and someone that you love, someone you're really connected to were to ask you for a favor, how would you respond? Would you say, well, maybe. I need to have all the details first, though. Is that how you would respond to someone you know and love? Is that how we, were, we deal with God? God says, I want you to do something for me in 2022. And we say, well, I don't know. First, tell me all the details, God. We're full disclosure people. I want to know it all. Does that sound like a willing heart in the face of our Creator? God has a work for us in 2022, but will we be open to the opportunities He places before us? Will we be willing to do something and go someplace we have probably have never gone before? 
Without a vision, people perish. Without a vision, a church perishes. Without a vision, the lost in our city perish. Without a vision, you and I, we don't go on. We're barren. We need God's vision to empower us. Thirdly, we need God's vision to transform us. Have you ever noticed in the Bible, and this is so important to see, that God never calls anyone to remain exactly as they are? He didn't shine a bright light on Saul on the Damascus Road, knock him off the horse and say, Saul, Saul. And Saul said, here am I, Lord. What do you need? And God says, nothing. I just wanted to shine a light on you. No, he completely changed the man's life. He took years to heal him. And then he used him for decades. Much of our New Testament was written by this man who was completely changed. Do you want to be the same person in a year that you are now? In 10 years, in 20 years? God has something else in mind. He never instills a vision for the status quo. Did you know that people and organizations actually lose ground by trying to stay in the same place? They lose ground. They don't inspire, they don't motivate, they don't empower people, and they don't impact their, the world around them. Now, to be sure, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. His message and his character is the same because God is perfect. But we're not. And the world is not. And the methods that we use to spread God's message and the people that are spreading it have to change and grow. This church is coming up on 50 years. And some things that were effective 50 years ago will not be effective today. And things that are effective today will not be effective 50 years from now. And so I'm going to ask you to do something. Pray for our elders. They are amazing leaders. And they are looking to God to lead us into the next 50 years. This transformation begins on the inside. It is first and foremost a spiritual formation. God changing who I am and changing who you are. And it can only happen when we are willing to accept God's vision as our own. We need his vision to transform us and to change us. And finally, fourthly, we need God's vision to unite us. God's vision not only guides and empowers and transforms, it also unites us because it is the power of a shared vision. God is the, the originator. He is the inventor of relationships. What did God say about Adam the moment he was created? It's not good. He's alone. And God created relationships. How did God know that it was not good to be alone? Because God has never been alone. God has been living forever in this beautiful community. Father, Son, Spirit. He said, let us make man in our image. God knows what community is. And he knows that we need it. 
And our world right now is, and you know it, is so fractured and partisan. The community is being chipped away. And we cannot let that happen to us. I don't think we are. I think we are coming together. We're strong in community. And we just need to let his vision continue to unite us. And the more we understand God's vision for our church, and the more we share that vision by working together, the more we actually are united in the character of God. So what is it that God's vision can do? Well, the widow in 2 Kings 4 said that God's vision can do anything that we allow it to do. How far are we willing to go? How much are we willing to invest? How much do we really believe in God? God's vision is only limited by my vision and your vision. One day, a fifth grade class, Sunday school, was told by their teacher at the end of class, I want you to go home and to prepare for next week's class by going outside and counting the stars in the sky. Count them and come back next week and we'll talk about what you found. So next week rolls around and all the kids come back and you can imagine all the numbers they have. Some of them counted a hundred, some of them counted a thousand, some said they counted a million, but you know. But there was one little boy that didn't say anything. He was just real quiet. Finally, the teacher said, well, Johnny, how many did you count in your backyard? He said, three. And she said, well, why did you count only three? He said, well, I guess our backyard's kind of small. And that's really my question. How big is your backyard? In the future, what do you see? How big is your backyard? How big is your vision? Is it God's? And maybe all you can see is a portion of God's, but step into it, and God will show you more. And step further into it, and God will show you more. And then someone else will come alongside and say, here's a piece of God's vision that I've seen. And someone else will say, and I see this much. That's community seeing God's vision. And my backyard is enlarged by your backyard, by what God's shown you. And God works through this church as he has in the past for 50 more years, starting in 2022. Let's pray together. Father, we ask for your forgiveness when we have been short-sighted and blind. When we've been distracted by the failures of our world and have stopped looking to you. And God, we ask you that you turn our eyes to the immense sky, stars, universe, earth, humanity, history, future, and to put ourselves in your hands to gather as many empty jars as we can to take the oil you've given us and the faith we have in you and begin filling our jars. Whatever skill, whatever talent, whatever ability we have. Father, we pray for our elders that you give them courage and leadership, wisdom and, and sacrifice to lead our church. And may we, with trust and faith, follow them into the next year. 
God, we love you. And we have confidence in you. Thank you, Father, for your mercy and your grace. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. This morning, if anyone here needs to give their life to God, to follow him in baptism, or to bring your life back to him, if we can help you in any way, won't you stand? Let's worship together. Let's be faithful, 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 Lord. Let us be faithful, faithful, Lord. Though we cannot see, we still Thank you, Bob, for challenging us as we approach 2022 to have each one of us ask, why am I here? How do I serve? And what is God's vision for me? We need to take that personally. Please join us in our sprint to the finish with your giving this month to enable us to serve the Lord in even greater ways this coming year. We appreciate so much your generosity. Also, please plan to be back tonight for our Encounters with Jesus series as Jacob Hawk helps us, through the Apostle Paul, to focus on sharing our faith in 2022. Let's read our take-home verse together from 2 Peter 3, 18. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And the congregation says, Amen.